In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Okay, you think this is really happening, and you get three prayers in, and all heck breaks loose again. You think, I'll pray it tonight for my family, once the kids are in bed. You think, at least we tried. God sees my efforts. Tired mama, he does see your efforts, and there is grace that was poured down even in those few chaotic moments. What happens next, though, will be the deciding factor for your family. Welcome to this special edition of the Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs. Last week, Lindsay and her husband Jason were invited to speak at our local Catholic Moms group on the subject of the family rosary. This devotional prayer has had a transformative effect on their family's faith, and both Lindsay and Jason recognized the rosary as being instrumental in their conversion and reversion to the Catholic Church. Many of you, our listeners, have requested that the Murrays make their talk available in podcast form, and the Modern Lady Podcast is happy to present their story here. Theirs is a testimony of the miraculous and the ordinary, of the graces that flow from devotion to our Blessed Mother, to the realities of trying to pray in the context of a busy family with four young children underfoot. And so, without further ado, here are Lindsay and Jason Murray. The name rosary comes from the Latin rosarium, which means rose garden. A rosary is therefore widely considered a gift of roses to the Blessed Virgin Mary in heaven. The rosary as we know it today originated from early monastic orders within the church, whose monks would pray all 150 psalms each day. At first, the monks used 150 pebbles in a small pouch in order to keep track of their prayers. This practice eventually developed into a string with 150 knots and finally a rope with 150 beads. But what about the members of the laity who did not have the time to devote to learning, let alone reciting, all 150 psalms every day? Instead of reciting all 150 psalms, members of the laity began the practice of praying 150 Our Fathers each day. Over time, the angelic salutation of St. Gabriel was added before each Our Father, and then St. Elizabeth's greeting to St. Mary, and so on, until the rosary developed into what we have today. There are a few key dates associated to the rosary. In 1214, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to St. Dominic and encouraged him to spread devotion to the rosary. From this, we can have confidence that praying the rosary is something that the Blessed Virgin Mary wishes in the lives of her children. In 1917, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared once more to three children in Fatima, Portugal, where she declared herself to be Our Lady of the Rosary, and repeatedly urged the children to recite the rosary daily. From this we know that daily recitation of the rosary is something that the Blessed Virgin Mary finds important. Here are some of the quotes that the Blessed Virgin Mary told Lucia, Jacinta, and Francisco at various times during her apparitions. On her first apparition, on May 13, 1917, she said, Pray the rosary every day to obtain peace for the world and the end of the war. 
On her third apparition on July 13, 1917, she said, Pray the Rosary every day in honor of Our Lady of the Rosary, in order to obtain peace for the world and the end of the war. During her fourth apparition on August 19, 1917, she said, Pray, pray much, and sacrifice for sinners, for many souls go to hell because there is no one to sacrifice and pray for them. Note that the Blessed Virgin Mary here tells the three children that many souls go to hell for no other reason than no one sacrifices and prays for them. You do not have to be a great evangelist. You do not have to be a great missionary. You can convert souls and bring people to heaven, people you've never met, people who may live on the other side of the world, if you sacrifice and pray for them. In 1973, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to Sister Agnes in Akita, Japan. One of the requests made by Our Lady during an apparition that took place on October 13, 1973, was to each day recite the prayers of the Rosary. With the Rosary, pray for the Pope, the bishops, and the priests. Over and over again, we see the Blessed Virgin Mary's request to pray the Rosary every day. So I want to talk a little bit about miracles of the Rosary. In 1945, during World War II, Eight Jesuit priests were living in a parish house less than one mile from where the atomic bomb was dropped on the town of Hiroshima in Japan. Despite the widespread destruction and radiation exposure, the Jesuit house and all eight priests survived. All of the priests were repeatedly examined in the years following and none suffered from radiation exposure. All said that at the time of the explosion, they had been living the message of Fatima and praying the rosary in their house every day. In 1955, while under Russian communist rule, Father Petrus of Austria launched a rosary crusade where 70,000 people pledged to say the rosary daily for the intention of Austria becoming free from Russian rule. On May 13, 1955, the anniversary of the first apparition of Our Lady of Fatima, Russia signed an agreement to leave Austria. Not one shot was fired and not one person was killed. In 1986, dictator of the Philippines Ferdinand Marcos held a snap election in order to win re-election by corruption against his opponent, Corazon Aquino. The election turned out to be a bloody, violent, and fraud-filled event. President Marcos declared himself the winner and immediately took control of the media and sent the military to the streets to quell any protests. Cardinal Sin of the Archdiocese of Manila urged a peaceful protest and Catholics took to the streets themselves and surrounded the military tanks and armed soldiers, prayed the rosary, and sang hymns. After a week of peaceful protest, the soldiers unexpectedly stepped away from their tanks, put down their guns, and joined the crowd. President Marcos fled, and Aquino, a Catholic, was acclaimed as president. During an exorcism, Father Gabriel Amorth, the former chief exorcist of the Vatican, recounted a conversation he had with Satan. During the exorcism, Father Amorth remembered, Satan told me, through the possessed person, every Hail Mary of the Rosary is a blow to the head for me. If Christians knew the power of the Rosary, it would be the end of me. So we talked a little bit about what the Rosary is, but I'd like to speak a little about to what the Rosary is not. Does God work miracles through the rosary? Yes. The chief benefit of praying the rosary daily is the effect that it will have on you and your family. This alone is miraculous. Daily recitation of the rosary, however, does not guarantee that you are going to overthrow a communist government or survive a nuclear explosion every day. 
The rosary is not an amulet, a charm, a talisman, or any other kind of magical object. A physical rosary will not prevent you from getting sick or having bad luck, and it will not give you any particular daily advantages such as good health or other powers. Relating to the rosary in this way would be breaking the first commandment in the sin of idolatry. Okay, let's start at the beginning. But I have to squeeze 20 years, the 20 years that Jason and I have been together, into about 20 seconds. During the early years of our relationship and marriage, Jason was Anglican and on his way to being ordained. And I was a former Wiccan slash atheist slash angry feminist. And as you can imagine, things were rough. It's pretty hard to have a successful marriage with two people coming from such different places. Our first 10 years were hard in so many different ways. I think looking back now, we never really experienced peace. Every day was unsettled and the future was uncertain. I can say now that there is a huge difference in our life before the rosary and our life after we started praying a daily rosary. Our life was formerly filled with tension, worry, stress, and anxiety, and now it's a life rooted in an unshakable joy and a peaceful contentment that runs through all of our days. Throughout these last 10 years, we have still faced many challenges, but it's different now. We seem to be able to handle everything that comes our way in a kind of detached way. What I mean is that the rosary has helped foster within ourselves, both individually and within our family, a type of resilience that we never had before. A resilience rooted in the knowledge that our Blessed Mother is interceding for us and that we can trust in God's plan for our family. The peace that comes with that knowledge is the most precious gift that God has given our family. We know peace now because we also know what it feels like when there isn't peace. In 2005, we had been married for just over one year and my maternal grandmother was dying. She was in her last 12 hours and Jason and I had stayed the night with her in her hospice. It was early November, and it was a very early morning, pitch black and pouring rain. I knew her earthly life was drawing to an end. I'm not sure that she could see at this point, and she couldn't speak, and she was making the death rattle and was trying to get my attention. I sat beside her as she motioned for me to get her rosary. I picked it up and asked her if she wanted me to pray it with her. She nodded. I tried to start, but quickly realized that I had no idea how to pray a rosary. I said an Our Father and a Hail Mary or two and apologized while tearing up, and I left the room and went outside to get some fresh air, and I cried because even then I realized that all she wanted in her dying hours was for someone to pray the rosary with her, and I failed her. I couldn't give her the one thing that she needed. This was before smartphones, so I had no way of looking up how to pray it. I just did nothing. I said nothing, and she died that evening. She did receive her last rites in the viaticum, so that gives me some peace. But I couldn't give her what she wanted from her granddaughter, and that still feels like a kick in the gut. I think about this often as we pray our family rosary, and this experience also prompted us to grow in devotion to the holy souls in purgatory, but that's a topic for another day. Before becoming Catholic, I was an Anglican. I was an evangelical Protestant and had graduated from an evangelical seminary in Toronto with a master's degree in divinity. I had planned on becoming an Anglican minister. By 2008, however, I had become convinced, at least intellectually, of the Catholic Church as the fullest revelation of God's truth. Despite knowing that the Catholic Church was true, however, the long-standing Protestant in me still needed time to come to terms, at least on an emotional level, with converting. Despite knowing the verse not to put the Lord your God to the test, 
I decided that I would ask God for a sign. Converting from Protestantism to Catholicism was a big step, and I needed a big sign. Unbeknownst to anyone, I began praying every night that God would give me a rosary. In my mind at the time, nothing else most represented the Catholic Church than a rosary. Three weeks later, a family member who had traveled to the United States and visited St. Patrick's Cathedral called me and told me that she had a gift for me. Shortly afterwards, knowing that I was not a Catholic at the time, this family member placed a small rosary in my hands. I had not told Lindsay about my prayer intention or anyone else. I hadn't even whispered this prayer out loud. So I converted to Catholicism. After that, I began praying the rosary at night, but infrequently. And for the first year, I could not pray the rosary without falling asleep every time. Things just sort of developed naturally from there as time went on. Praying the rosary became more and more frequent and began involving our children, with Lindsay joining in eventually as well. Now we pray the rosary every night, and it's become a habit. So in 2012, we had a new baby, our third, and a new home, a new beginning. We had been practicing Catholics for four years and went to Mass every Sunday and did our best to follow church teaching to the best of our knowledge, which was pitiful at that time. But we weren't really being challenged, as they say. We started attending the traditional Latin Mass. We have one local that is diocesan run. And that changed everything for us. I think the big thing with the Latin Mass is that you either go once and are totally lost and think, forget it, and you don't think about it again, or you go once and feel an extraordinary experience, and that is a Latin Mass pun for you. And you go home and devour everything you can about the history of the church and the liturgy and why are they doing all of those crazy things. Of course, there is a lot of gray area between those two outcomes, but in my eight years of attending the traditional Latin Mass, that is mainly what I've observed. So we went home and started Googling everything. We also noticed immediately that everyone showed up before Mass for two things. Confession, the lineup was always very long, and the recitation of the rosary before Mass. Now, if I could just say one thing about the rosary being prayed before Mass and its connection to confessions being heard, is that these two things actually went hand in hand. The rosary being prayed helped drown out the sounds coming out of the confessional, which really helped protect those in the confessional from having their sins heard by everyone. I also learned at that time that there is an indulgence attached to the public recitation of the rosary. Indulgences are rarely talked about, sometimes only embarrassingly admitted to as a matter of doctrine to non-Catholics, and almost never emphasized or practiced. But that's too bad. Technically speaking, an indulgence is the remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sin for which the guilt has already been forgiven. For each sin that a person commits, that person incurs both a guilt before God and a debt of punishment, which Pope St. Paul VI stated may remain to be expiated or cleansed and, in fact, frequently does remain even after the remission of guilt. The Catechism of the Catholic Church states that all who die in God's grace and friendship, but still imperfectly purified, are indeed assured of their eternal salvation. But after death, they undergo purification, so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. The Church gives the name purgatory to this final purification of the elect, which is entirely different from the punishment of the damned. To put it simply, indulgences draw on the treasury of the Church 
the abundant merits of the saints in heaven, and chiefly the superabundant merits of Jesus Christ to fill in the debt of punishment that God's justice requires before a person can enter heaven. There are two kinds of indulgences, partial and plenary. Partial indulgences, as the name suggests, remit only a partial amount of this debt of punishment. Plenary indulgences, however, remit all of this debt of punishment. In order to obtain a plenary indulgence, four conditions must be met. Sacramental confession, Eucharistic communion, prayers for the intentions of the Supreme Pontiff, the Pope, and a complete detachment from all sin, even venial sin. Among the various works and prayers of which one can gain a plenary indulgence, the following apply. Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament for at least one half hour. Devout reading of sacred scripture for at least one half hour. Performing the devotion of the way of the cross. And finally, the rosary, when recited in a church or public oratory, in the family, or in a religious community or pious association. Note that a plenary indulgence is not attached to praying the rosary alone. There are also 15 promises that the Blessed Virgin Mary promised to St. Dominic to all who recite the rosary. I won't go into all 15, but I will mention about seven. Whoever shall serve me faithfully by the recitation of the rosary shall receive great graces. The rosary shall be a powerful armor against hell. It will destroy vice, decrease sin, and defeat heresies. The soul that recommends itself to me by the recitation of the rosary shall not perish. Whoever shall recite the rosary devoutly, applying himself to the consideration of its sacred mysteries, shall never be conquered by misfortune. God will not chastise him in his justice. He shall not perish by an unprovided death. If he be just, he shall remain in the grace of God and become worthy of eternal life. I shall deliver from purgatory those who have been devoted to the rosary. The faithful children of the rosary shall merit a high degree of glory in heaven and devotion to my rosary is a great sign of predestination. Okay, so now we're all getting really excited, right? We've heard the the about indulgences, we've heard the promises attached to the rosary, and we're all thinking tonight is the night we're going to start our daily family rosary. You're going to go into the room and you're going to call your children and you're going to go, Therese, Gianna, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, Mary, Catherine, all of your super Catholic kids. <laughs> and you're going to be discouraged within seconds because even these saintly kids are going to roll their eyes and drag their feet. And the little ones are going to cry and the toddlers are going to pull the cushions off the couch to make a slide. And you are going to use your nicest voice ever and say, come on, guys. All I am asking for is 15 minutes. Can you just give me 15 minutes? And this will be met with grunts, and sighs, and one sweet little kid. There's always one sweet little kid who'll go, okay, mama, and you will start. In the name of the Father and of the Son. Oh, wait, you'll think to yourself, should we all be kneeling? Okay, kids, let's kneel. Mom! Okay, fine, you'll respond a little bit more on edge this time. I'll kneel. Join me if you'd like. A few of the kids might join you and you decide to just go for it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Okay, you think, this is really happening. And you get three prayers in and all heck breaks loose again. And you throw up your hands and you think that maybe this just isn't the right time for your family. You think, well, I don't want them to associate prayer time with me yelling at them. You think, I'll pray it tonight for my family once the kids are in bed. You think, at least we tried. God sees my efforts. 
tired mama, he does see your efforts, and there is grace that was poured down even in those few chaotic moments. What happens next, though, will be the deciding factor for your family. Whenever I speak with my priests slash spiritual director about whatever I'm struggling with, he asks me, Lindsay, do you want to grow in virtue or do you want to grow in heroic virtue? I sigh and I, through gritted teeth, I go, okay, heroic virtue. So if you're listening to this, I want you to ask yourself, do you want to grow in virtue or do you want to grow in heroic virtue? I don't think you would have clicked play on this episode if you didn't want to grow in heroic virtue. So let's go with that. The reason why I can describe your family so perfectly is because it's our family too. The key to changing these behaviors lies in the virtue of perseverance. So let's go over some tips about things that we have found that have worked for our family with praying a daily rosary over the last eight years. So tip number one. It doesn't always have to be in the same place. I would say that we pray our rosary upstairs in the bedrooms about 70% of the time and downstairs in the living room about 25% of the time and in the car 5% of the time. We started out when our kids were very young, praying it exclusively in their bedrooms. We have four kids, two girls and two boys, and the two girls share a room and the two boys share a room and their rooms are right beside one another. So it's perfect. One of us sits in the hall and the other has to hold the hand and tickle the back of our youngest who has needed a parent with her at bedtime every single night for six years. Our younger two always fall asleep when we pray the rosary upstairs. And I just love the idea of our kids falling asleep to the sound of their parents praying together. If it's early enough in the evening, then the big kids can come back downstairs with us. But the little kids don't know that little secret when we all head up to bed. They think we are all going to bed. Tip number two, speaking of time with our older kids, many of you know the struggle of trying to find uninterrupted one-on-one time with your kids, even just 10 minutes. So one of the things that we do when we can is commit to a little bit of uninterrupted time that is following the rosary. And we've always called this our time. I will often say to my kids, if you want extra time with your mama here on earth, then you need to pay due respect to your more perfect mama in heaven. Number three, there is a difference between normal wiggly kid behavior and disobedience. We have had kids say their parts of the rosary from our timeout step. Now this might sound harsh, but it's actually adorable. And we all have a little giggle when we hear a kid yell from the other room, angel of God, my guardian dear. And they are going to wiggle. Kids are going to wiggle. They might crawl around the room or under the coffee table. They might build a pillow fort around them. These are not deal breakers for us. Children moving around, squirming, whispering, us having to shush them. It's totally normal and somewhat acceptable rosary behavior in our home. If they have an attitude, we do address that. That's a different thing. Trust me though, your kids will get used to it. It is only 15 minutes once you get the hang of it. Number four, give the kids their own prayers to pray. This gives them responsibility and they rise to the challenge. We often pray the bulk of the rosary ourselves, but at the end, after the Hail Holy Queen, our eldest prays the act of contrition and the evening offering, and then our second oldest prays the St. Michael prayer. Our third kid prays the guardian angel prayer, and our fourth says, I love you, God. And then we wrap it up with prayers for the intentions of the Pope, 
and prayers for our godchildren. Number five, atmosphere. So this is something that Michelle and I talk about all the time on this podcast. This should not come as a surprise for you, but we always say to never, ever underestimate the power of a lit candle. I first started lighting a single candle as a bribe. The kid who stayed the quietest was able to blow it out. Well, the kids loved this idea, so I ended up lighting four candles, and then they all wanted to make sure that they blew out their own candle. There was something otherworldly, almost heavenly, about a candlelit room. It calms the kids and the parents. We also recently discovered ambiance videos. I have also talked about those on this podcast in um, one of our What We're Loving This Week segments. They're on YouTube, and at first we started with fall ambiance, and then I stumbled upon some videos called cathedral ambiance and chapel ambiance, and we love having those on during our rosary time. Some families like having soft music on in the background, and some need silence. It's 100% okay to experiment with different moods. Maybe candles aren't your thing, or maybe you just need some battery-operated candles so that you can relax a little bit. The point here is that as mothers, we have a natural inclination to nest, to make cozy our homes. Even if we've never been intentional about this before, it feels so good when we try. We have this great power to create a mood in our homes, to set the tone, to do things that engage all of our senses. The rosary also does this. It is physical in that we hold it and move our fingers along it. It is something that we speak and we can listen to it. And it is spiritual. It connects us with heaven and the church universal. Having things like chant playing, candles lit, and perhaps even some incense burning helps us at any age understand that something special is happening at that moment. Number six, start slow if you have to. There is nothing wrong with starting with just one decade of the rosary. In fact, I can't think of a single priest who wouldn't recommend and even praise a family for committing to that. God sees our efforts. This is the same God who took five loaves and two fishes, blessed them, and his blessing multiplied the small offering so that it could feed the multitudes. I have found over and over and over again in my life that God has accepted even my smallest offerings, and he has blessed them and multiplied them. And the graces that I have experienced have been profound. May I suggest, though, if you only pray one decade as a family, that you still try to finish praying the rest of the rosary, either on your own or with your spouse. It would be wonderful if the children heard you finishing it so that they could learn that praying the whole rosary is the goal. And I suspect that some children or even a reluctant spouse may end up joining you as you finish. I'm sure that all of us have heard stories about our aunts or our great-grandmothers who would be kneeling and praying the rosary while the family stepped over her. We do end up speaking of these women with great admiration. These things do have a generational impact. So what about falling asleep during the recitation of the rosary? Let's talk about this. You'll recall that when I first started praying it, I fell asleep frequently. That's very common. The repetitive nature of the prayers is calming and meditative, and it's easy to drift right off to sleep. It's important to know this about the rosary and prayers in general. God doesn't need our prayers. This is also true for the Blessed Virgin Mary. While she loves receiving the spiritual bouquet we send her while praying the rosary, our prayers do not contribute to or remove anything from her role as the Queen of Heaven. That being said, we can understand, then, that praying is for our benefit. Our heartfelt petitions to God, our thanksgiving, our contrition, our praise. 
These things shape us, and a regular prayer life just strengthens the bond of communication between us and God. I don't see why we can't all fit the rosary into our day like we fit so many other things. For something as powerful as the rosary, and you heard the stories I shared at the beginning of this talk and the promises attached to them, it should not be an afterthought, something reached for when everything else is done and we're on the edge of sleep. The Church Universal is made up of the Church Militant, here on earth, the Church Suffering, the Holy Souls in Purgatory, and the Church Triumphant, the Saints in Heaven. Saints both officially recognized by the Church and Saints we won't know about until we meet them in Heaven. The entire Church Universal can also join us in the Rosary. You can ask any Saint in Heaven to join you and your family in praying your family Rosary. You could even look up the Saint of the Day or a Saint that your family has a particular fondness for. You can also ask the Holy Souls to join you in the Rosary. You and your family can form a bond with these souls, and it isn't one-sided. If you pray with them and for them, they will pray for you and your family in a very particular way. When Jason and I first started praying a daily Rosary, we had 10 quotes about the Rosary taped onto our fridge, and it was a daily reminder of why this new devotion for our family was really, really important and why we should stick with it. And I have gathered 10 quotes together that are similar to the ones that we had on our fridge, and we will make those available for you guys in the show notes if you decide that you also would like to print them out and hang them on your fridge. Two of those quotes have always stuck with me. The first is, no one can live continually in sin and continue to say the rosary. Either they will give up sin or they will give up the rosary. Bishop Hugh Doyle. Now, I'm not going to say to you guys that I have given up sinning, but I can say to you that I'm not continually living in sin anymore, that there has been a dramatic transformation that has happened in my life and within my marriage. I won't speak for my husband, but I have witnessed a man who I've always loved become the man that God wanted him to be, and I will forever be grateful for his leadership and his devotion to Mary. Let me just tell you guys a little something. I don't like flowers. I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I need to say it again now. I hate having to get a vase. I hate having to fill the vase. I hate having to trim the stems and change the water. And Jason knows this. He knows that I would love for him to bring me home a pie or some donuts. But still, once a month, I open the front door and there he is standing with a gorgeous bouquet of flowers in his arms. And for one second, my heart flutters. And then he basically steps past me and he walks over and lays the bouquet before a statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary we have in our dining room. What wife could be jealous of Mary? Jason's continuously growing devotion to our Blessed Mother has done nothing but make him an even better father and husband, which then has inspired me to become a better wife and provides our children with a home that is rooted in love devotion, respect, and once again, peace. I mentioned peace at the beginning, and it's important to end with this because our world is falling further and further into chaos, and our homes need to be a refuge from the storm, a place where peace can calm our worries and act as armor against us as we go back out into a backwards and destructive society. The other quote that has always stuck with me is this one. If families give Our Lady 15 minutes a day by reciting the rosary, I assure them that their homes will become, by God's grace, peaceful places. Father Patrick Payton 
I'm not sure if what Jason and I shared, you know, with you guys on this podcast matters as much as what Father Peyton said in that short quote, but we can join with him in assuring you that spending only 15 minutes a day praying a daily rosary will be the best investment you can make in your family and by extension, the community around you. We all know that peace begins at home, and we have heard time and time and time again the gentle urging that if we want peace to reign in our homes, the rosary is the best route to get us there. We hope you enjoyed this special edition of the Modern Lady Podcast featuring Lindsay and her husband, Jason. If you have any further questions about the rosary or how your family can begin praying together at home, please send us a message. You can find us at our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you next time. Thank you.